running a startup is a whole other animal. And there's all of these things that I've had to learn and I'm still learning, like customer discovery and validation. Like, what is that, right? And venture capitalism, what's that? And so learning how to be with all these pieces and each one has its own gateways of an initiations of how am I going to do this ethically, right? How am I going to not step away from what's core and important to me and to do this in a way that is queered, that is trans, right? That is really connected to my communities and to my identities and also providing a path forward. Welcome to Queer Hustle, where we talk to the hottest up-and-coming queer entrepreneurs about growing businesses, creating dream lifestyles, and taking care of each other. Your host, Michelle Goyle, sits down to work together to explore what's possible when you approach business with full authenticity. Hey everybody, what's up? It's Michelle and this is Queer Hustle where we showcase awesome queer entrepreneurs and talk about how queer entrepreneurs can start up and scale. I'm really excited today because I have one of my favorite former clients in the world with me today, Dr. Kavani Moray, founder of Wellcelium, sex therapist, educator, and just all around badass person extraordinaire. Welcome. You want to introduce yourself to the crew? Hey everybody, I'm Pavani. I'm super glad to be talking with Michelle. I've been working with Michelle for a couple of years and I'm happy to dive into this topic. Yeah, so we're going to talk about queer entrepreneurship today. And I told you one of the questions that we always get is like, what does being queer have anything to do with business? And when I told you that, you said, well, I got a lot to say about that. So let's go. What do you have to say about that? So one thing that I think really seriously about is how important it is for folks who are marginalized, folks who are othered, trans folks, queer folks, folks of color, disabled folks, old fat folks, you know, like single folks, like anyone who's not in the norm core folks to have access to money, capital, power, uh, is just really important, right? Because we understand how the world could be, right? If we were acting in ways that were collaborative and cooperative and not extractive. And so it's really important for us to have access to that. And so having a queer lens, right? Being a queer person, a trans person and being in business is really flipping the script. It's really saying, hey, we get to do this too. And the stories of oppression that have put us in a, in a way where we're not as not having as much access to those things, we're not in agreement with that. We're not going to do that. We're doing something different. And we're going to create a world of business that's ethical, that's transparent, that's kind and prosperous, right? That we're going to thrive. So that's just kind of the first layer, Michelle, and I could go deeper if you want, but I'll stop there and see how that lands. Well, we can go way deeper on this because I mean, I'm in agreement with you on everything you're saying, but then there are those who would say, well, now we're just the oppressed becoming the oppressor. Now we're you know participating in, in the capitalist system and capitalism is the problem. What would you say to that? I mean, I think in a certain way that capitalism is the problem, right? And it's the system that we are living inside of. And so is it possible, this is the question that I sit with a lot, is it possible to do it in a way that's in integrity, to be in a capitalist framework and to be working and creating and doing all the things that queer entrepreneurs do and and do that with a, a degree of alignment and integrity that is not oppressive. I think one of the things that was really important to me was understanding the difference between being a capitalist and being an entrepreneur. And that when you're a capitalist, you are making money off 
of other people, right? And off of the oppression of other people. Whereas entrepreneurs are making money with people, right? And we are, we share their, our, we share our wealth. We share our access to resources. We're using what we have to empower others rather than to oppress others. So I think there's a pretty wide divide, but those things get pretty conflated. So I love that framing. And I love that, that separation of those two things. You know, another thing that we talk about a lot when we talk about integrity and alignment and entrepreneurship is how do we bring the good things that we are doing to more people and what's the mechanism by which we're able to expand our influence, expand our impact. The work that you're doing is vitally important and I'll let you uh, t- tell us a little more about that. I won't tell to, you know, talk for you, uh, but you're really, really helping people. Do you want to talk a little bit about your business, what you're doing and how you're helping? So, well, Celium is an educational endeavor that seeks to provide the sex education that you need and you didn't get. And so that you can have really thriving relationships with people and with yourself and um, ultimately with the planet. So we provide different ways of to engage with our platform, courses, workshops, events, and invite people into really highly ethical containers where the teachers are, are really trained and to provide pragmatic sex education online so that you're not just getting it up here, you're getting it in your body, like how to be different, how to be in your relationships differently, how to be in your body differently. And that is something that we all needed and none of us unfortunately got. So while Cilium is really stepping in to fill that gap and to fill it especially for folks who, that there are, I mean, there's other places that provide online sex education and relationship education, but a lot of those are heteronormative and really center monogamous relationships or um, or cisgender relationships, right? And, and don't have the expansiveness and the inclusivity to create curriculum and content that's for folks of all stripes and sizes and shapes and ages and relationship statuses. And so we are really dedicated to creating this very highly inclusive and diverse environment. I love this. And, you know, I love the concept of adult sex education. I think it's really important, um, honestly, for everybody. But when we talk specifically about queer folks, about trans folks, about polyamorous folks, these are not things that were covered in your seventh grade uh, health class. Talk to us a little bit about the damage that it does when somebody grows up with sex education that is very heteronormative and very, you know, seen through a very specific lens that doesn't encompass them and their experience. I mean, it's so important to see representations of your identities in the media. I think that that's a conversation that's popular right now, right? We're just talking about like how necessary it is to see yourself reflected in, in culture and to be validated in that way. Because if you're not, what you're internalizing is that I'm other, I'm different, I'm wrong, it's bad. There's a, there's a lot of shame that gets internalized, right? And so in sex ed, when um, sex ed is talking about procreation, for example, or birth control, right? That's kind of where mainstream sex ed goes in seventh grade and in high school. And that is not, uh, first of all, it's not pleasure centric, right? It's not teaching people about consent and how to live in their bodies and how to feel what their yes feels like and what their no feels like. And it's also not for the kids who fit into that that heterocentric model. Like it's okay. I wouldn't say it's excellent, right? Because it's still it's still a lot of framing of their gender roles and what they're supposed to do, right? But for the kids who don't fit into that, it's really damaging to not have that representation, to not have queer relationships on par with uh, heterosexual relationships and to not see reflections of their identities. And so it creates this, this internal narrative of unworthiness, which shows up in all their relationships. It shows up in how they're able to show up in their life and on their purpose. Like they can't 
those things are incompatible of feeling unworthy, like you don't deserve it. And then feeling like you get to show up in your life and have good things. Right. And so it's traumatic. Um, same thing with religious repression, right. Of, of folks who grew up in places where there's a lot of religious control around sex ed, same thing, right. It just, it's like it smushes it down and then it doesn't get to blossom and develop as it might. So we're trying to remediate that. We're trying to provide spaces for folks to have those corrective experiences so that they can really step into the full power of their sexuality. Yeah. And just to dig a little deeper in that, I mean, what are the things that you're seeing? So let's say uh, if somebody comes to you at 40 years old and they didn't have what we wish they had had at 12, you know, in terms of education, what, what, what does that yeah. show up like as an adult? It, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm thinking of, of someone I spoke with yesterday um, who is an artist and very creative, queer, and is feeling blocked in their career, right? And feeling like they can't access the full depth of their creative process. They can't express who they fully are, right? So it's showing up in their profession, but it's actually rooted in their sexuality and under that in this in this concept of deep worthiness, right? And so it's creating an environment in which they feel stymied and they feel like they can't they can't think themselves out of it, right? They can't and they are aware of the block on some level, but they don't know how to, to do anything about it, right? So they're just stuck. Other places it can show up is really not, I mean, we model our relationships after the relationships that we saw in our families, right? And so modeling relationships um, that might have unhealthy dynamics that might not be um, the level of consent or uh, transparency or support or generosity that we want to really create in our relationships. We just don't have the skills. So I would say those are two pretty big ways that they show up. Yeah. Yeah. So then what happens when you're able to, what do you say, have a corrective experience, have, have some remediation for that? How does that show up differently once people are able to process uh, these things as adults? I think that's the beautiful part is like, we're never going to know who we would have been if those kinds of repressive experiences, traumatic experiences hadn't happened, right? But it doesn't mean that as adults, we don't get to steer our own course and, and really create the vision of the selves that we want to be and the sexualities that we want to have. And when I've seen this so many times of when people really step in to their full erotic power, it ripples out into every area of their life right? They are able to be on their purpose. They're able to confront the things that hold them back. Like they have this deeply rooted source of power that is expressed through so many channels. And there's a freedom. There's such a deep, um, profound freedom of, and there's lots of ways to, to get to that freedom, but the, the root of sexuality is very direct uh, because it's so core and central to who we are. And um, they're really able to to blossom and to bloom and to embody who they're here to be. So it's um, it's not a small task, but it's a really important one. And that's what can happen when someone when someone does that work. I know. I, just lo I love it. And it's got to be like so fulfilling for you to see every day. And so uh, bringing it back to, to business and Wilselium, how did this take root in terms of I'm doing this work one-on-one -on -one with people, but now I need to scale it up so that I can help more people. Or just tell us about your journey, your mental journey. Totally. Yeah. Well, I, um, I finished my dissertation and that made this space in my life available. And I knew, so I knew it wouldn't last for very long, that space, like something would come in to fill that space. The idea really, I've always wanted to start a school and I was invited to, to teach at a mainstream personal growth school. And I told them that the content 
what I wanted to teach. And they were like, oh, no, 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 our audience isn't ready, aren't ready for that, right? And it was like the most vanilla thing that I teach. And I was like, well, I think that there, there are definitely audiences that are ready for this. And so that's kind of how the idea happened. I think what um, what's important to name is that I really struggled to think that I could be a founder, being queer, being fat, being trans, right? Like, I didn't see that representation. And... Um, I didn't have any role models of folks who were like me who were doing it. So how could I do it, right? And so that's been a big part of the journey is finding role models and also um, finding that that core of myself of like, I get to do this, right? Even though I haven't been trained or taught or, you know, I don't have my MBA and I haven't traditionally been a, a business person, I get to do this and I get to learn how to do it and I get to get support in doing it. And it's really actually quite important for me to do it. So I, I think that's what I want to say about the journey. Just the, the support piece, how important it is, right? That we can't do it alone. And it's a whole, for folks who are just starting their businesses, I mean, I, I had started several private practices. So I knew kind of like that end of starting a business, but there's like running a startup is a whole other animal. And there's all of these things that I've had to learn and I'm still learning like customer discovery and validation. Like what is that? Right. And venture capitalism, what's that? And so learning how to be with all these pieces and each one has its own gateways of an initiations of how am I going to do this ethically? Right. How am I going to not step away from what's core and important to me and to do this in a way that is queered, that is trans, right? That is really connected to my communities and to my identities and also providing a path forward. I think of like the trans role models who I have, who have stepped into these more traditional roles of like doctors and lawyers and, and in the more in the academy of how they pave the way for trans people to be in every role in society and how necessary that is. So well, and what, what's interesting is through that journey, of course, now you become the role model. Now you become somebody for other people to look up to and say, hey, there's a trans guy. There's a queer guy like doing this thing. That's what this entire like to be meta about it. That's what this entire uh, video and podcast is about right now is to, is to highlight you and to show you. And so there are people out there watching that said, I haven't seen anybody ever that's like me or that looks like me or that's thinking about this stuff. And here you are. What does it mean to you to be able to step into that type of leadership role and visibility? Yeah, I mean, it's scary. It's been scary. It's hard. Um, it's exhilarating. Like I was up in the middle of the night last night, like woke up and had to get up and write down a bunch of ideas. And, and so it's like consuming in a certain way. And it feels really good. It feels like this is what I'm here to do and I'm doing it and I'm shining light in all of the places that that hold any crumbs of that unworthiness still and getting out those cobwebs and really embodying the self that I want to be. So it feels great, actually, on a good day. Yes. <laughs> on a good day. Today's a good day. Today's a good day. I think, you know, we start to talk about getting into that mindset of thinking about who this is for and what it means to them, both in terms of the actual work you're doing, but also in terms of things like this, in terms of your visibility. Does that help you get out of your own head when you're feeling scared or nervous to focus on that? To do the mindset work, there's two things that help. One is rooting into that grit of I've been told or not shown, you know, kind of all this stuff that we talked about in the earlier part of the conversation, like just like being pissed off about that, you know, like why do some people get told that they get to be founders right? And then they get supported on that. And other people get told like, mm, that's not for you, right? And just like mad about that, like 
fuck that, right? And so that rooting in that fuck that helps. And then the other part is rooting in the fuck yes of like, yes, I see a world of consensual sexuality. I see a world where rape can't happen, you know? And so rooting into that, the vision that I am aligning with is another thing that really helps. And yeah, I do the mindset work every single day because it's what keeps me from overwhelm. I love that rooting in the fuck that, rooting in the fuck yes, you know, and, and we talk a lot about attract and repel, right? We talk a lot about uh, this isn't for me and this is for me and this is where I am. This is my lane. This is my, you know, my zone of genius, however you want to put it. This is where I flourish and this is where I shine my light. Well, I see a lot of people struggling with that. And when you talk about overwhelm, it's, it's the inability to do that. It's the I'm trying to please everybody. I'm trying to make everybody happy. I'm trying to be for everybody, especially as queer people, as trans people, trying to show up and, 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 uh, shape shift, you know, at what point was there, was there a point in your life where uh, like, is there a day or something where you remember going, no, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going to try to be everything for everybody anymore. I'm going to be for the people that I'm for and do the thing I'm meant to do. It literally just happened about three weeks ago. Oh, wow. Tell me. Yeah. And it was a, it was a really clear day where I had had, you know, cause the, the, it's the entrepreneurial journey is like a roller coaster. It's you're super high one day and you're super low the next day. And it's all over. The, it's like, it, it feels it's intense. And this summer there was some hard stuff, right. In, in terms of my leadership and like stepping into public visible leadership is kind of painting a target on your back in a certain way. Right. And you have to build up your resilience. You have to build up your actually, I hear that you feel that way about me and like, that's okay you can feel that way and I'm not changing. Right. Right. And because people are going to throw stuff at you, you know, as we love to, we love to throw stuff at our leaders, even though as we need leaders, we also love to throw stuff at them. And um, that can feel super dangerous to folks who are marginalized, at least to me. Right. It's like, Oh my God, I'm going to, I've like worked so hard to create the sense of belonging. And and now I'm, I'm going to be out. Right. Right. The social justice police are going to come and kick me out of here. Right. And um, so literally, yeah, just a few weeks ago, there was this day where the question, I don't know how it came up, but it came up of like, for me to continue, what must die? And that was the very first thing that came was like, I have to stop caring so much about what other people think and have to just let go of it. And they can like me or they can not like me, but I am here to do this thing. And I'm here to do the people for, for the people who really want it and really need it. And the other, the haters and the trolls, like, okay, like whatever y'all, like have fun with that. How's that going to go for your life? If you have all that energy, like, couldn't you be putting that in your own business? You know, like, couldn't you be directing that towards your own purpose? Do you have to be in the teardown? But like, whatever you do. So, okay, bye. And that moment, it was like becoming internally, becoming a sword, you know, just being like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. So that was my moment. I love that. And I love that, that sense of and this is very profound concept when I've been working on myself of like, if to get to the next level, it's not, we, we focus a lot on what do we get when we get here and we don't focus enough on what do we leave behind and what do we leave behind deliberately, right? Because you're always going to, anytime you move up in any regard, financially, socially, you know, psychologically, um, spiritually, we're getting things and we're leaving things behind. Being able to start to deliberately say, I can identify what I'm leaving behind and I can make a conscious choice to leave that behind. And I can even acknowledge why it's painful or hard for me to leave that behind is so powerful when it comes to being able to jump up to the next level. There's a total leap of faith that there are going to be people who are going to appreciate that, right? 
appreciate the parts that you've left behind in order to get to the place that you are. There will always be people that appreciate it and there will always be people that don't appreciate it. I think, you know, when it comes to trolls and haters, for me, it's always been helpful to think of them. And you're, you're a therapist, so hopefully this resonates with you too. But just to think of any kind of stuff that's being lobbed at me or, or, or lashing out at me as that's a reflection of somebody else's pain, right? That's about them. And I can hold empathy for that. And I can actually hold love for that. So I can ground into that. Wow, you're, you know, you're hurting a lot to feel the need to do this, especially, you know, if it's to do this to a stranger on the internet or something like that, it's like, okay, I don't feel that doesn't upset me about me. That just makes me feel like I'm sorry that you're hurting to that point. That's the higher road. I aspire to that. Sometimes I could, sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes I'm just like, fuck off. Right. Of course. Of course. We all have our like, you know, fuck off and delete. moments and then we all have our sort of uh you know sometimes you get to sit in your meditation and your mindset and you go what does this actually mean and why am i you know if i'm reacting to something then it has nothing to do with anybody else it's my reaction and so what is it telling me about me what do i need to work on why is this raw why does this hurt right and what do i need to dig into more there what does it feel like and this is just just a genuine curiosity from me to be somebody who works on these things with other people all day long in your role as a therapist and is 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 helping other people uncover the roots of their own trauma and things like that how do you make sure that you hold the capacity the psychological capacity to work on those things for yourself don't you get tired mm, no I don't actually I think it keeps me it's the erotic is such a focus of my life right? And erotic wellness in particular. Uh, I'm a survivor of sexual trauma. So it keeps me on my game and it keeps me compassionate. It keeps me learning. It keeps me practicing, right? Because I am a therapist who walks their talk. Like I am in long-term consensual erotic relationship and that's always evolving and it's always a work in progress. And so it keeps me at that growing edge, right? No, because like, I think that people, I don't get tired of it because people who show up to do that work, my clients are so brave. They are like the ones who show up to have those conversations have got through so much stuff already to even be able to talk about it, you know? And so I just, a lot of times I feel such love and gratitude and and that's just real, right? Of like, wow, I get to know you as a human being. I I get to acknowledge your humanity. And kind of the therapist that I am is um, that I'm in the room with you. I'm not one of those, oh, tell me about your mother. It's not like that, right? (laughs) Like I'm I'm there and I'm present and I'm human and you're human. And like, wow, this stuff is complicated. Wow, we don't know how to do this. Like, wow, you know, we're all kind of fumbling our way through it. And so it's it's a joy every day, you know, to sit with folks and, and just really... Um, hear what's real for them and hear what they're struggling with. And um, also to like, I think so many of us, because it's something we don't take, we don't talk about, we take it really personally, right? Like I'm somehow broken. I hear that like all the time in a thousand ways every day. And to help people realize like, no, actually the system's broken, right? You didn't get what you needed. And there's lots of fucked up representation of what you're, what you are getting, but like, you're not broken, you know, like, and helping folks find their way back to that sovereignty, that truth is super like, wow, I get to do this with my life. You know, that's cool. I love that. And I, I love seeing that light shine out of you when you talk about that. I, I, I recognize that when I say the light in me recognizes the light, I feel that way about my work too. And it's a, people say, oh my gosh, how do you do all this? How do you, you know, why don't you get tired of this? Because I love it to the point of, you know, my friends probably thinking I'm obnoxious talking about how much I love my, my work every day. And I love what's meant about this. I love my work working with people who love their work. 
I love working with people like you who love their work. We talk about entrepreneurship. And when I get on the phone, you know, with prospective clients or people that are kind of on the fence about whether they want to be an entrepreneur, my answer is always then don't. Because if you're not 100% sure and you don't have that feeling, and it's not every all day, every day, but if you can't access that feeling of this is what I'm meant to be doing, I love this, it is a joy for me, that's really what gets you through the hard days, you know, and I'm of the opinion that if you can't access that, that it's really, really difficult to do this at all. Do you agree with that? Oh, completely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's something about, you asked about capacity. Like I don't know the edges of my capacity, right? And I want my capacity to be ever increasing. And that means that I have to push the edges of it, right? And this, I don't know if I can do this, right? I don't know if I can create a successful startup. I don't know if I can make a million dollars. I don't know if I can create a trans consultancy. I don't know any of that stuff, but I'm so curious to see if I can. I'm so curious to see what happens if I put enough support in place. Can I do this thing that I see all these white straight dudes doing? Like, I want to know that for me. And so the, for me, it's not about proving, but it's about having that the entrepreneurial curiosity. It was like, can I? could this be possible for me? You know, and, and really um, that's for me what drives me. And if you don't, if you aren't curious about your capacity, I think like no harm, no foul. It's fine to have a job. And to like, that's a, a very good way to be in your life. You know, if like, but if you do, if you have that, like, well, I mean, I'm not going to ever be an Olympic athlete, but I imagine that that's the thing that drives them. Like, well, could I win a gold at the Olympics if I just worked hard enough? You know, and it's kind of like that. Like, could I do this? So I think, and if you don't have that curiosity, I think it's possible to also cultivate it, right? To start asking, you know, well, well, could I ask my boss for a raise? Or could I ask my partner if they'd be willing to do X, Y, Z? You know, just the starting with the smaller stuff, like before you'd like be like, okay, could I you know, buy a huge building in New York and, you know, like before you kind of get to those bigger things, you can build that capacity with the curiosity and move, move from where you are. Excellent advice and stuff to think about. We're starting with that curiosity, starting with those questions, starting with challenging yourselves. This has been really, really awesome. Dr. Pavani Murray, founder of Ocelium. Thank you so much for joining us today and we'll see all y'all next time. Awesome. Bye. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening to Queer Hustle. To read the full show notes for this episode, which include a summary, timestamps, and any links mentioned in this episode, please visit michellecoyle.com slash podcast. There, you'll find the information from this episode and any past episodes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please leave us a rating and a review at ratethispodcast.com slash queer hustle. Until we meet again next week, go out there and let it shine.